You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm the teaching pastor here at Forefront Church, and it is indeed an honor and a privilege to be here to be able to continue our sermon series, Forever Forward. Today, our focus is on Forever Forward with hospitality. So, my partner Todd and I have been married for 16 plus years, and we have made a commitment to showing hospitality, to inviting people into our home, into our lives, um, into our stories, and showing kindness. Now, when we entered our marriage, we didn't necessarily know that we uh, both really had this um, major desire to be able to bring people in. And it was wonderful um, once we began to talk and um, start hosting various events. And we really felt like God just gave us this love to be able to extend to others. So whether it was in our homes in New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut, in small spaces or more spacious spaces, we have had a blast and had so much joy in providing safe havens for a number of different people. Immediate family, extended family, New friends, old friends, nieces, nephews, godkids, college students, our neighbors, all sorts of people, colleagues, folks who are up, folks who are down. Did I say college students? (laughs) Anyway, we have found joy in planning, preparing meals, and serving. We feel rejuvenated. When we can prioritize bringing hope, affirmation, comfort, and the love of God to people from diverse backgrounds and experiences. We believe that our desire to extend hospitality is an extension of our worship. 1 Peter 4 verses 9 to 11 says, most of all, Love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. If words, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's hearty help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus. And he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything, on course to the end, 
Oh, yes, extend hospitality. Amen. So this desire for hospitality didn't just come to us out of the blue. It was actually instilled in us from our ancestors, uh, from our uh, grandparents, our parents, and it has really been a part of our family culture. And our Christian faith has certainly helped to affirm the existence and beauty of affirming other individuals. But the struggle of our new and unwelcomed normal is real. How many people miss hosting social gatherings? <laughs> I tell you, we really, really do. But now's the time when we are attempting to be safe. Uh, we live with my parents. Um, we are trying our best to keep them safe, and we don't want them to get sick. And I know many of you can relate to just being really anxious during this time um, and feeling like you are boxed in and helpless and really fed up with our current situation. And if we're talking about hospitality, then how can we actually continue to honor God and others with all that we are when we continue to traverse the unknown? How can we reframe or ignite hospitality when we are doing all we can just to make it day by day? So it's important during this time to look beyond ourselves and consider how we can reimagine hospitality as an extension of our worship. How we can reimagine inviting people, strangers, guests, visitors into our church in the coming weeks, Lord willing, into our spaces, into our lives, into our stories, into our worlds. Our central character in today's sermon is Lydia, and she's an example of a woman whose love for the good news of Jesus Christ led her to show hospitality by using her resources of finances and time to help support the work of Jesus. And she opened up her home for people in the early church. Her story is found in the book of Acts shortly after the Apostle Paul has had a dream. And in his dream, he sees a Macedonian appear to him and make an appeal. And this Macedonian wanted Paul to come and help him and to help their people. And it was at this point that Paul and his missionary team felt that the Lord had called them to preach the gospel in Europe. Let's look at Acts 16, verses 11 through 15, and then verse 40. We went ab abroad, excuse me, we went aboard a boat at Troas and sailed straight to Semithrace, and the next day on to Neapolis, and finally reached Philippi, a Roman colony just inside the Macedonian border and stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside to the city to a riverbank where we understood some people met for prayer. 
and taught the scriptures to some women who came. One of them was Lydia, a saleswoman from Thyatira, a merchant of purple cloth. She was already a worshiper of God, and as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted all that Paul was saying. She was baptized along with her household and asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am faithful to the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we did. Paul and Silas then returned to the home of Lydia, where they met with the believers and preached to them once more before leaving town. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we see Paul and his team making their way to Philippi, just inside the Macedonia border. After receiving the sign that he was supposed to preach the good news to those in Europe, in what is now southeastern Europe, he thought that he was going to be spending more time in Asia Minor. However, every time they attempted to go to different points in Asia Minor, the Holy Spirit redirected them. And so they land in Philippi. Philippi was a very vibrant and bustling city, which was on the trade route linked between Europe with Asia. And there were entrepreneurs there and all sorts of merchants selling their goods. And there were individuals there exchanging ideas and stimulating their economy. After being there for several days, they made their way to the river on the Sabbath because they heard that a prayer meeting was going on. Now, it's interesting because as bustling a city that Philippi was, there was apparently no synagogue. And if there was a synagogue, this meeting with Paul and the women and this whole exchange may not have taken place in this way because of the various divisions in the temple. There was a court for Gentiles, a court for women, the Holy of Holies, and there were all these divisions and separations, but they were gathered, as the Negro spiritual says, down by the riverside. The riverside, a place where you can lay down your troubles, a place where you can lay down your cares, a place of peace, tranquility, and restoration. Now, there's something special about the proximity to water. I absolutely love being near water. I love the beach. I love the ocean. I love the rivers. And having the opportunity to walk along the water is extremely therapeutic for me. Actually, researchers say that proximity to water enhances our physical and mental well-being. So here they were in nature, no divisions, no social distancing, a place where everyone belonged. So the environment seemed ripe. Being outside seemed ripe for something special to occur. So Paul began to speak to the women who had gathered, including Lydia. Lydia 
What a beautiful name. Now, if your name is Lydia, I invite you to type that in the chat. Lydia means kind, kindred spirit, noble one. So Lydia was a woman of means from Thyatira, which is in Asia Minor. And the area is famous for dyed goods. She was a well-established business person who was in the purple dye trade. Purple dye was more expensive than other dyes, and purple was the color of royalty, nobility, and power. And we, the staff, decided to wear purple today <laughs> to align ourselves and be in solidarity with Lydia. So purple is a visual reminder of authority and wealth. And since Lydia dealt with purple goods, she was also associated with people of wealth and prestige. In addition to all of her responsibilities, because being a business person, I'm sure she was extremely busy, Lydia prioritized gathering with her friends down by the riverside to pray and to worship God. Lydia was a Gentile, a non-Jew, who was a partial convert to Judaism, but she did not fully practice the whole Mosaic law. But as she listened to Paul preach, there was something special that began to happen. She listened eagerly. She listened intensely. And she opened up her heart to the Lord. And not only did she open up her heart, and not only did she receive all that was being said, she had so much joy and she felt so much fulfillment that she was able to share this good news with her family members. And as a result, her family was baptized. Baptism, an outward show of an inward act. And this was very, very powerful. And it reminds me of when we are excited about things and what we do, and we want to be able to share what we have experienced with those near and dear to us, with those that we love. And that's what Lydia did. She shared the good news with her household. And not only that, she used her resources, her resources of time and treasure and talent to show kindness and generosity and hospitality. She was able to help those who were spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. She worshiped and she extended hospitality. And then sometime afterwards, Paul and Silas were released from jail and Lydia once again opened up her home and they were able to meet with the new believers and encourage them in the faith. Lydia, who some refer to as our mother of Christianity, she is our ancestor who has gone down in history as being Paul's first European convert. And she opens her home and heart, her time and treasure to play a critical role in sharing the message of Jesus Christ, the message of love and of hope and living life abundantly. 
And while we do not know much about her story beyond this text, we can assume that she continued in her worship and in her hospitality. So maybe others were able to see what Lydia was doing and maybe they went ahead and did likewise. Maybe Paul was referring to Lydia and her work when he wrote to the church at Philippi and referred to the church, the first Christian church in Europe, we're told, as his pride and crown. In Philippians 1 and 4, he says, my dear, dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. Fill me with such pride. Don't waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. When we continue to hear and welcome the message, the good news, the great news of Jesus Christ, we can move beyond our comfort zone and welcome and embrace others. This is part of our worship experience, being a generous expression of Jesus Christ, loving individuals no matter how they identify, no matter what their background is, no matter what their story is, not denying their stories, not denying what they share with us, but affirming who they are always. As much as I miss opening our home to individuals, um, as much as we used to during this time, um, I have found solace and peace and worship during my walks. I like to call them prayer walks or worship walks. And these walks have continued to afford me the opportunity to worship with God. And then I am able to reframe how I welcome and show hospitality to others during these unprecedented times. Simone Oliver, who is the global editor-in-chief of Refinery29, which is a feminist digital media website, spoke to The Cut, which is also a site for women, about balancing being a mother and an executive. And Simone goes on to talk about the importance of protecting your schedule and going on walks for inexpensive inspiration. And I would add to that, walks help to de-stress and during our experiences of being in nature, the Holy Spirit can speak to us and lead us in various ways. So some practical suggestions today as we think about forever forward with our hospitality, as we think more about what our worship experience can lead us to as it relates to hospitality, I would offer this initially. Think creatively about how you can reimagine what welcoming others looks like in your world. You know, during the pandemic, I had the wonderful opportunity to start a virtual church. It's called Embrace Church, and it stands for encouraging members to boldly receive all of Christ's embrace. And at this time, we meet twice a month on Saturday mornings. And it's an awesome opportunity to use the Zoom space to be able to connect with others and help encourage others who might feel isolated, who might feel alone, who might feel disconnected from family and friends. 
and what a powerful opportunity we have at Forefront to be able to continue our work with small groups. And if you haven't signed up for a small group, many of them during this time are online. I would encourage you, highly encourage you, to just go to our church planning center and go to whatever group you feel is the best fit for you during this time. But it's a wonderful way to be able to um, get to know people. Um, people are there. We have our leaders who are willing to welcome you and show hospitality in this virtual way. And we encourage you just to connect and be edified. During this time, I also encourage us to think about ways to express gratitude, whether it's journaling, whether it's sharing uh, with family and friends about some things that you're grateful for. Um, we can be, think about ways that we can be grateful. Now, we might not have a lot. It's important to think about what God has blessed us with and how we can share that with others. Give what you have and extend yourself. Get out of your comfort zone and be a blessing to others. But it first starts with really being grateful, I feel, with what you have. I remember going to Kenya and we were in Nairobi's Mathari Valley and we had the opportunity to fellowship with the church called Hope Restoration Church. And this particular area um, really was in need of connection and um, they were doing a great work in the Mathari Valley, but it was great to be able to partner with them. And I tell you, it wasn't like they had a lot, but they had a lot of love for the Lord. And what they had, they were grateful for, and they were able to share with us. And we had a particular meeting where they shared a soda with us. And uh, we didn't have any food. We just had Fanta soda. Do y'all remember Fanta soda? Okay, my favorite is orange. Um, and I also like grape. And um, they put the soda on the table, and then they blessed the soda. They said grace over the soda. And we were so impacted by that. We were so inspired. You know, I just pray over my meal. I don't really pray over my drinks, you know. Um, but it helped us to realize that we can thank God for our drinks as well. <laughs> And uh, it was really, really a blessing to us um, to see how grateful they were for what they had and how they were ex able to extend what they had to us. And then I would just encourage us as much as possible, and I know those of us on the East Coast are experiencing some extremely cold temperatures, I would highly encourage us, no matter how cold it is, that's what sweaters and long johns are for, to get outside, <laughs> to get outside, to commune um, with nature, um, to experience the healing power of trees. Yes, there is a tree that is growing in Brooklyn somewhere near you. And um, I would just encourage us to think about that. I was listening to WNYC this week and or last week and they had someone on talking about the healing power of trees and there were folks that had diabetes and they went into um, the, the woods and they spent time in nature and they really, really um, felt better. And uh, it was really powerful um, to hear these stories. So um, there's a www.wildflowerweek.org. They're doing tree tours right in New York. So um, connect with them if you can. 
uh, there is healing power in trees. And I believe that God is able to continue to use us in mighty ways during this time. We can find community in the midst of chaos. That's what Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said. And that was the focus of our King celebration this week. The church, our small groups, making connections, um, expressing your love for each other, supporting each other, uh, and showing hospitality is a wonderful way that we can continue to lean in to our series forever forward and we can continue to lean in to being more hospitable. Hebrews 10 tells us, so let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. God always keeps their word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. And I close my sermon today with a poem, and it's a poem that my grandmother used to recite. And my grandmother and my mother were very much focused on public speaking and poetry, and it's entitled A House by the Side of the Road. And it was written many years ago by Sam Walter Foss, who actually lived between the years of 1858 and 1911. And it goes a little like this, and I changed the words to make it a bit more inclusive. And I'll try to do it like my grandmother, Reverend Lucy Whitley. <clears throat> there are hermit souls that live withdrawn in the place of their self-content. There are souls like stars that dwell apart in a fellowless firmament. There are pioneer souls that blaze the path where highways never ran. But let me live by the side of the road and be a friend to humans. Let me live in a house by the side of the road where the race of people go by, those who are good and those who are bad, as good and as bad as I. I would not sit in the scorner's seat nor hurl the cynic's ban. Let me live in a house by the side of the road and be a friend to humans. I see from my house by the side of the road, by the side of the highway of life, those who press with the ardor of hope, those who are faint with the strife, but I turn not away from their smiles and tears, both parts of an infinite plan. Let me live in a house by the side of the road and be a friend to humans. I know there are brook-gladdened meadows ahead and mountains of wearisome heights that the road passes on through the long afternoon and stretches away to the night. And still I rejoice when the travelers rejoice and weep with the strangers that moan, nor live in my house by the side of the road like humans who dwell alone. Let me live in my house by the side of the road where the race of people go by. They are good, they are bad, they are weak, they are strong, wise, foolish, so am I. Then why should I sit in the scorner's seat 
or hurl the cynic's ban. Let me live in my house by the side of the road and be a friend to humans. We are forever forward with hospitality. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.